This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. This is Cruise Control, the car show on BFM 89.9. Despite saying that, it's not all cars today. Hmm. As usual, on the show with me today, I've got my two friends, Ali Johan. Say hello, Ali. Hey, good evening, everyone. And of course, Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Say hello, Daniel. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the only automotive uh, show on radio in the world, I think. <laughs> in Malaysia, at least. In the Klang Valley, at least. In okay. TDDI, for sure. <laughs> Ali, what have you got lined up for us today? So we start with some local EV news. This week, clean energy solutions provider Gentari Sendrian Berhad was launched by Prime Minister Dato Sri Ismail Sabri. This company is wholly owned by Petronas and they claim to be a one-stop integrated clean energy solutions provider for the commercial and industrial and retail sector. Daniel, can you tell us a bit more about this outfit? Okay, from my understanding, this is basically Petronas. They are an energy company. They used to provide petroleum and gas and everything else uh, in terms of energy. Now, <laughs> the world is moving to a different kind of energy when it comes to mobility, which is electrification. So they're going to start with public charging points. They're going to offer um, you know, uh, things like uh, solar paneling, uh, renewable mm. energy, things like that. And then, of course, in, 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 in time to come, even hydrogen. And I think what they're doing is that they're, they're starting off by, you know, as many stations as possible, Petrona stations, to be powered by solar. So that's also going to save a lot of money. On top of that, if they're going to have the solar panels there, they might as well have some charging stations. And as you know, Petronas is everywhere in Malaysia. So if mm-hmm. they have charging points at all their stations, some of them are already here, but if they have more, it's good news for the electric car movement. Now, the other interesting thing is, when they did the, the whole launch and everything else, they are going to put out 9,000 charging ports. But huh. these charging ports are not just for Malaysia, also India. Oh. So, it could be 8,940 <laughs> for India <laughs> and the remainder for Malaysia. I don't know what the mix is. India's got a bigger electric car market uh, moving forward. So, maybe, you know, 1,000 for Malaysia, 8,000 for India. But whatever it is, as long as they have charging ports in all the Petronas stations, I think that's already a very, very good start. Yeah, a lot in the pipeline for Guntari. 25,000 public charging ports uh, they plan to install by 2030 across Asia Pacific. And as Daniel mentioned, it involves Malaysia and also India, which is a much bigger country. They might get the bulk of these installations. And this is all, of course, in support of Petronas's decarbonization efforts. Uh, of course, we're all moving into the direction of electric vehicles from now on and zero emissions as well uh, is a big plan for a conglomerate like Petronas. Moving on to more news, this week as well, Honda Malaysia has issued a precautionary recall for two recently launched car models. They are recalling the 2021 Honda City Hybrid as well as 2022's Honda Civic. Daniel, a precautionary recall is rather proactive. Well, you know, Honda has been, I would say, the, the number one car company in Malaysia when it comes to making sure that they, you know, even the slightest problem, they'll do a recall. They're not shy or, you know, hiding in the corner and saying, oh, we're not going to issue a recall. A lot of car companies do recalls and 
we call them soft recalls. Soft recalls means basically when you're going to service your car or when you're going to do a check, you'll quietly change the part or do what needs to be done without letting the, the customer know. Some will, will let the customer know and say, hey, you know, by the way, I have, to, I have to change this part because there's a global recall. But Honda, no. Honda will actually put out a statement and say, come in, come in, come in, quickly come in. We want to change the part. We don't have any issues because they look after their customers. They want to make sure their customers will never, ever complain about their product. According to Honda as well, they are recalling the City Hybrid due to a possible inactive ADAS camera that they need to replace. And also for the Civic, uh, it's something about an incomplete welding in the driver's seat. Um, so that one they want to replace as well. And it's all for free. Honda owners would have been contacted already via notification letters or if you use the Honda Touch mobile app, you will also have been notified as well. But in any case, if you own these two models from the last two years, um, the City Hybrid from 2021 and Civic from 2022, and you've not been notified, you can check uh, if your car is affected by calling Honda Malaysia's toll-free number at 1-800-882020. Or you can enter your details at productrecall.honda.com.my. They make it so easy for their customers. You see, even even if you're you're registered with them and they send you a letter or, or SMS, a lot of people just ignore it. You know, mm. like sometimes you get SMSs on your phone and you just ignore it. You don't even bother reading because you think, ah, this is a scam or whatever. So it's mm. it's good that they actually issue it out to the media. So if I know someone who owns this car and I say, hey, do you know about this recall? Is it? Yeah, I got an SMS, but I didn't bother. Well, please bother. Go and get your car fixed. What happens if we? go two years down the line, miss the recall period and finally find a fault with these parts? Yeah. I think as a responsible car company, they will still recognize the fact. Now, I know for a fact, some years ago when they did the airbag recall, I drive a very old Nissan vehicle. It still has an airbag. And I didn't partake in the recall because I thought my car was too old to get the airbag recall. So after some time, they called me and said, you know, uh, Mr. Daniel, you know, you, you you bought this car from us many years ago, blah, blah, blah. Uh, there was a recall. I said, oh, I thought it was for the newer cars. Because I have a very unusual Nissan, so it wasn't listed in the list of vehicles to get the recall. They said, no, no, no. As long as it's a Nissan from this year to this year, we'll bring it in. And here's the best part. Even though it was more than two years after the recall was done, they did it for me FOC. So car manufacturers have to do this because of safety issues and also because they don't want any negative press after that. Interesting. Yeah, of course they have to call Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my for a recall, right, Rich? (laughs) (laughs) At that point, they didn't know who who I was, my friend. (laughs) Ah. My God, imagine the bad press. (laughs) Another car just arrived in Malaysia. This one is a big one. Uh, Land Rover Malaysia have just given us news about a new model for their iconic Defender badge. This time, they just launched a three-door variant the Land Rover Defender 90. So, you know, a few months ago, they did a big launch for the Defender 110, which was, you know, blew everyone away with its features, its luxury, its everything. I mean, we took it for a test drive and we want one, but we can't afford it. <laughs> Richard is <laughs> smiling there because he also wants one. I, think. <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But anyway, it's too expensive. It's it's gone it's gone into the luxury market. It's almost 900,000 ringgit. Now comes the Defender 90, which is the short wheelbase version of the 110. It's a three-door. It's attractive. I think it's really good looking, you know? Correct me if I'm wrong, Richard. This is something you'll see the the high-flying society in Chelsea driving. Yes, absolutely, sir. (laughs) You know? Popping down for their their hot cup of coffee on a Sunday afternoon before they're walking the dogs in the park. Exactly. So this is the kind of car you'll see, you know, the rich in in Britain driving and also the very rich here because at 838,000 ringgit, this is not cheap. Oh, my God. 
830,000? Yes. And now, here's the best part. 20 years ago, I know 20 years ago is a long time. 20 years ago, the three-door basic classic defender was going for about about 140, 150,000 ringgit. Okay? And then they had a few special edition models which were coming in from, from uh, UK, uh, tuned versions. This was selling for about 250 and 300. This is the classic Defender. Now, this all-new Defender 90 is coming in at 800,000 ringgit. Now, that's a three times price increase. Do you think it's worth the effort, Richard? Uh, pass. <laughs> I think if you've got way too much money in Malaysia, if, yeah, why if you've not? got way too much money, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. At this price, I'll, I'll pay a little bit more and get the five door. I don't mean to be a defender of Land Rover here, right. but uh-huh. uh, this new <laughs> Defender 90 comes with two Ingenium engines. You know, they've got the four-cylinder petrol engine and also an MHEV, which is an uh, electric hybrid uh, variant, right? Yes, a mild hybrid version, yes. Judging from the specs given, this model is definitely stacked with the latest technology for it to perform in off-road situations, floods. It's it's definitely got all the tech. It's, it's definitely got all the features that you want in a luxury SUV, but... 838,000 for a three-door Defender. I mean, if it was 838,000 for a Range Rover three-door, I can understand. Mm, right. Mm. But the fact that you say Land Rover Defender 90 and that price, I can't swallow that in Malaysia, you know? Mm. It's a lot of money. It yeah. is, yeah. Okay, uh, moving on to the next piece of news. Now, after 10 years of absence in South Africa, Proton have announced their foray back into the South African market by teaming up with a local company, Combined Motor Holdings, as their official distributor. And 10 years ago, they had to pull out of South Africa and many other countries that they were in uh, internationally. And now they've since recovered with Geely backing up. And they're going to enter the South African market with two of their best cars, I feel, right now for Proton, which is the X70 and the X50 which are fully imported, made in Malaysia for the South African market. Yes. So you see, the fact that Proton has decided to go back to South Africa, it's great news because number one, South Africa is a booming automotive market and it's also the gateway to the rest of Africa, okay? Mm. Uh, The fact that they've picked the X70 and the X50, it's very clear that they have less confidence in the Persona and the Saga and the Exora. But with the X70 and X50... Geely and Proton are heading straight into South African market, which is now dominated by the Toyota Corolla Cross in that segment, the SUV segment, followed by Renault, which is very powerful there. And then you got Hyundai and a whole bunch of other Chinese car manufacturers doing very well there. So they've got a lot of competition. I think they are not going to do as well as they are doing in Malaysia. Because Mm. why? They have tax preferential here. They've got that Proton badge, the Proton market sentiment, you know, for Proton. Uh, Where else in South Africa, it's an open market. I mean, think about it. If Renault is number two in South Africa, why is it not number two here? Because in South Africa, it's an open market. The tax system is, is equal, you know. So different market, it's going to be tough. But I think the fact that they're, they're touching that continent is good. You know, this takes me back to the 90s when I was watching an episode of um, comedy show Mr. Bean and I saw a Proton car in the UK. Ah, <laughs> I see. But how, how does Proton usually fare in, in foreign markets, Daniel? Well, they used to do pretty well in the UK because they were cheap and cheerful, okay? And the fact that they were advertised as Mitsubishi technology, it was a, a no-brainer because why? The equivalent Mitsubishi was more expensive. So 
correct me if I'm wrong, Richard, Richard will probably understand this better because he's probably seen it in England. Mm. At that time, a lot of older generation people bought protons, not the younger generation. Yeah, I can tell you exactly. If we go back to about 19, here we go, 91, maybe 89, 91, something like that, mm. uh, when the first protons was being sold overseas, my uncle at the time was in his late 40s and they were marketing protons Oddly enough, in an airport, he just passed his driving test. He saw a proton. It was available. It was cheap. He bought one the next weekend. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And he uh, never had problems with it, right? Never had problems with it. No, no. Um, you know, he, he got a few laughs at the time because proton back then were kind of unknown quantity. Uh, you know, it was at the time when there was Skoda and Lada and they were mm. at their least popular times. And then proton came along and it was like, is this a third contender to that kind of You know, they form part of the trilogy. Yeah, cheap and cheerful. Cheap and cheerful, yeah. That's what they were seen as back then. Yes, um, yes. But yeah, but everywhere. So it, it would be interesting to see if they go back to UK with the X70 and X50. Mm. Nice. So for now, they've just entered the South African market with these two models uh, going to go on sale there real soon. Um, on to some global news. I guess this is this week's most fantastic news. The Japanese market are taking orders for a flying motorcycle called X Turismo. And it's uh, made by Airwinds Technologies. They are an air mobility platform company. They've been developing this hover bike for the past two years. Um, and this uses a petrol-electric hybrid engine manufactured by Kawasaki. You see, huh. the thing is, uh, I look at this, it's amazing this, what we're seeing here. It looks like, you know, the, the Star Wars, the, the land speeder? Yeah. Yeah, but I cannot agree with the, the term motorcycle because why? It's got no wheels. It floats. Yeah, yeah. so it's it's more like a drone that can accommodate a person, you know? Right, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a large drone that has seating for one person. You know, you just hover and you move it around like a drone and it's a great little feature. It's got, you know, 40 minutes of flying time on a full charge. Uh, you can go up to possibly 97 kilometers an hour in terms of speed. But, you know, gentlemen, the price, the price starts at, US dollar, 777,000 ringgit. 777,000 ringgit US. This is the kind of vehicle, though, that I think I'd only feel safe if I was hovering low to the ground and going in a straight line. Like a land speeder? Like, like a land speeder, <laughs> yeah. I would not feel confident about going too high. And You know what I mean? It looks cool, in, 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 but that's about it. In t- practicality, I don't, I don't see it. But, you know, I read more about uh, the X Turismo hover bike. To your point about going in a straight line, Richard, this comes equipped with um, anti-collision warning and, and all the driving safety features like you would find in a car, you know. So maybe you won't run into a tree or something with this. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Have you seen those drone videos? <laughs> I'm just going to go super low around this co- bunk, bump. Yeah, I mean, you might be right, Ali. I mean, I'm you know, just being cynical. Well, you know, no one's going to go anywhere where there's a tree. Like. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. That's so, for sure. In an open area, that's fine. Like. You know, or maybe across water, like in a lake, that's fine. In the know? desert. Ah, desert. Like in like, the land speeder. Uh, maybe like the Paris-Dakar rally. This will be a yes. new thing. Yes, ah. yes, yes, yes. Let's hope we see some in the flesh. It'll in, be fun. In Japan, yeah. Being used, you know, for, like, I don't know, delivery riders using it to send food or whatever. No, like, it's too big, Lali. <laughs> yeah, it Not is huge that, But now. have you seen how many buildings there are in, like, Tokyo? You, you can't, You can't even squeeze me or Daniel down the yeah. street half the time. And, and, and only 40 minutes you can ride. This is for super rich people just to have a bit of fun. Like. That price, I think you can get yourself a helicopter. Ah, mm. you probably could. 
and we're moving on to a break. If you'd like to join us after the break, please stay tuned. Otherwise, we'll see you later. After the break, we've got some stuff about... We've got a test ride. Daniel took something different for a test ride this week. Um, it's the Tree Electric. Electric scooter. That's all coming up after these messages here on Cruise Control on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. I'm joined by my friends Ali Johan and Daniel Fernandez from dsf.my. And this is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. However, Daniel will be taking something for a test ride that is not a car. Daniel, tell us all about it. Okay, it's been a quiet month. I mean, silence. There are some car launches, but there's no cars for us to test drive. Car companies have already slowed down their their, their promotional uh, activity. So we thought, hey, we got a bike license, so why don't we get some bikes to test ride? So instead of getting a conventional motorcycle, we thought, let's go electric. Ooh. So we called the people at Tree Electric. Have you heard of Tree Electric? No. Okay, they've been around for a few years, actually, but they've been very quiet. They were situated way out in the outskirts of Kuala Lumpur. Now they've moved themselves right into the heart of PG along Jalan 222. Big showroom, big facility, R&D, uh, after sales and everything else. They are selling a range of scooters. They've got three scooters up for sale. One's a big scooter that looks like a 250cc. Mm-hmm. One's a small one that looks like a 90cc. And another one is a delivery uh, scooter which is really tiny and um, with a big battery uh, for obvious reasons. But we decided on taking the, the mid-range one, the, the, the typical cup chaila, you know. Uh-huh. And it's called the T70. Okay. Uh, if you look at the pictures, it looks like just any regular Yamaha or Suzuki or Honda or, you know, uh, uh, Korean or Taiwanese little scooter. But this is full electric. So you get on it, it feels it feels the same, you know, the, the build quality, Okay, maybe not as good as the big Japanese brands because they have, you know, mass production. They've got more on their hands. Uh, this is a very small niche manufacturer, but it's still pretty good. All the regular functions are there. Uh, you've got your digital meter, you've got your side mm. mirrors, you've got your lamps and everything else. You put your key in, you start your bike and nothing, nothing. You don't hear a single thing, just like an electric car. And then you just squeeze, squeeze a throttle handle and the thing just, it goes. <laughs> no sound, no sound. So here's the best part. The morning, I, I picked it up in the evening. I brought it home in heavy traffic. Um, the next day, early morning, a lot of my neighbors got walking with their dogs and everything else. I took the three electric T70 out. I quietly went down my street. I shocked two dogs <laughs> <laughs> and their walkers because you don't hear it coming. Right, right. And I purposely did it. I wanted to see a reaction. Even the dogs didn't hear it, you know? Mm, mm. And you come along and you're like, hey, what's that? I said, oh, it's an electric scooter. Like, what do you mean electric scooter? So I had to explain to them. I mean, these are my, my regular neighbors. I said, oh, it's, it's battery operated, blah, blah, blah. Everything. Anyway, I took my journey. I went around. Uh, the following day, I went all the way to KL. I went to KLCC, uh, rode around KL. Uh, every time I came to a major traffic light junction, at least one or two people will look at me and say, Abang, Pachi. Electric, so it's either abang or pachila, so you know my age group. Huh? <laughs> and they were all quite fascinated because, first of all, no sound, it's compact, it's, it's, you know, it, it doesn't look any much different. But the next question was always the same. How far can you go? 
How right. far can you go on the battery? How far? See, everybody wants to know how far you can go. The same thing with electric car. It's all about range anxiety. Now, with the tree electric, it's a small, it's a small bike. It's got a small battery. But what I like about it is the battery is swappable. Oh, that's smart. So if you open the seat, now in a normal scooter or a normal cup chai, when you open the seat, pull it open, there's a compartment for you to put your helmet, your jacket, mm, your mm. raincoat, you know, a little bit of your shopping, maybe a drink bottle, you know, whatever. Now with the three electric, sadly, you do not have that. When you open, it's a battery, big old battery sitting down there. It's like your car battery, but sitting upright, okay? Right. And it's heavy. It's not light, okay? Mm, mm. I needed two hands to lift it out. Mm. But it's plug and play. So if you think about it, if you're looking at having, uh, you know, like like doing a service, rider service or delivery service, and you have a bunch of these bikes, you can buy some spare batteries, you charge it in your office. When the rider comes in after, say, you know, uh, a four or five hour shift, because they're supposed to rest anyway, they just swap the battery. After they rest, they can go ahead and continue with working. So... The, the, the system is good. The idea is good. And it's already been adopted in Taiwan in a big way. There are already uh, electric scooter companies in Taiwan doing this and also in China. So what Tree Electric has done is they've taken the same concept, swappable battery. The bike is simple. It's plug and play. So some people are going to ask, oh, so where am I going to put my helmet and my jacket? Well, you can get a carrier box at the back to do all that, which people normally have. I have a scooter at home and I have a carrier box. Even though I have place under my seat, I still put my stuff in the carrier box at the back because it's simpler and easier to use, you know? Yeah. So riding it, this is the little bit of an unusual thing you have in this bike. This bike comes with three speeds, okay? When I say by three speeds, you have a little selector on the handle that says one, two, three. Now, if you put it at one, you cannot go more than 45 kilometers an hour. Now, it's still pretty nippy, though. It's still pretty nippy, yes. You see, a lot of people say, 45, too slow. But actually, if you're riding around a city, you're doing, you know, errands, you're doing delivery, 45 is just nice. Now, why they have that number one and number two and number three? Number one is 45 because they want you to save as much battery as possible. So it's not super fast. It's just nice. It works like a regular basic scooter in terms of acceleration and power, okay? Now, if you go to number two, you can go up to 55 kilometers an hour, which is a little bit more. And I found myself by the third day, I had it for four days. By the third day, I was having it more on two. Because why? I was doing a little bit more longer distance because I wanted to cover that whole range anxiety, right? Hmm. And if you do number three, you can go to a maximum of 65 kilometers. So, of course, most riders are going to say, 65, if I ballet kampong or I go long distance, only 65. Well, this is electric scooter for urban commuting. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're not supposed to be going outstation with it. I'm not saying don't, but think about it. Your battery life is between 100 to 120 kilometers of riding range. Not okay? bad at all. Not bad at all. Now, swappable battery. So if you're thinking of going outstation, I'm sorry, it's not going to work. Because why? Mm-hmm. If you're going to Ipoh, which is 200 over kilometers, you have to break your journey halfway to charge that battery. To charge the battery, because it's a normal charging cable, takes six hours. Oof. Don't think of this bike as a commuter bike for you to use every day, go out station. This is something which I think companies should be investing in, not individuals. Companies should be investing in, for example, pizza delivery, chicken delivery. First of all, your riders are doing short, quick journeys, right? Mm, mm. And they always come back to the headquarters. Mm. So you can have spare batteries in the headquarters ready for them to swap if they run out of juice, right? Yeah, yeah. Number two, 
when you give it to riders like this, you're also restricting their time on the road because you want them to rest. A lot of them are not resting. That's true. Mm-hmm. So you use for say three, four hours, then you rest the bike, you rest yourself, and then you get back on the road. So this is a good idea for them to use. Now, for companies, you have dispatch clerks. Your dispatch clerk is not sitting on the road for seven, eight hours a day. This is perfect. They use the bike during the day. They bring it back. Overnight, they charge. Next morning, they come back. They use the bike again. And you get your, you know, your, your carbon credits, lah, you know? Mm. Mm. So I think this is a bike that will be useful for delivery business that is owner-operated, you know, like a fast food chain. Number two, I think for companies, for their dispatch clerks, instead of buying a, a, a petrol-driven uh, scooter. Number mm. three, I think it's great for the town council and also local police. That's interesting. And they're completely road legal. As they're long as completely you have. road legal. Uh, got road tax and everything. Okay. It's already been approved by JPJ. Now, a few years ago when I was living in China, I had an electric bicycle. Okay. Right? It had the same kind of thing. You lifted up the seat. It had the hot swappable battery, right. which weighed a ridiculous amount. Right. Uh, like, like you would say, it takes two people almost to pull it out and it took forever to charge. Right. That was kind of my main issue with it was was that the battery was was really uh, difficult. And it was, it, the batteries were not readily available at the okay. time okay. Um, because there were so many different manufacturers. They hadn't been, you know, like it hadn't been standardized. Is it easy enough to, to be able to buy uh, spare batteries from these people? From yes, Trilectric? they're also selling the spare batteries. It's about half the price of the bike. So I'll tell you this, the bike costs... 8,000 ringgit. On the okay. road? On the road, 8,345 with insurance. Okay. Wow. Now, the, the battery is about half the price. So okay. when you think about it, with an electric car, the standard yeah. electric car also, that costs about 180 or 200,000 ringgit, the battery is about half the price. Mm-hmm. And these you know, things are fun to ride, you know. Yes. So let's take your situation, eh, Richard. Yeah. You live in Bangsa, you work in Tamantun. That's about, what, 10 kilometers, 12 kilometers? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Okay, so, of course, you're not going to ride this because it doesn't suit your personality and your <laughs> income bracket. But if you were to use something <laughs> like this, you you could ride it for a week and it'll only cost you one charge, which is like two ringgit. As long as I'm using it on number one, right? Uh, yes, but you see, you'll be riding in traffic and, you know, mm, mm. You're, you're not really going to go that fast. You're not really a mud rumpet, you know. Mm, mm. And you'll be riding from Bangsa. You'll be just cruising and coming in the morning. You'll take about 20 minutes to arrive to work. Uh, your parking will be free, you know. and then it's, you, it, it's a cool option. Yes, and you don't have to worry about traffic jam because the bike is narrow. It can easily swap in, in between cars, you know. Yeah. yeah. So you, you'll be able to to have that, you know, what, what we call low emissions running for, for a week. without you know, And then you just charge it in the weekend. Yeah. And then when you want to run around Bangsa, do your errands, go to the supermarket or do, you know, buy small stuff, you can actually use this bike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in the long run, something like this, as a city commuter vehicle, I think it's very, very good. And you say the build quality is okay? The build quality is not bad. I mean, there could be some improvements. Like for me, I thought, you know, when you, when you, when you use the left and right turn signal, it doesn't make any noise. I would like some noise. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, because why? You could leave it on and then keep riding and forget about it, you know? Mm-mm-mm. And then I think they should include a little bit of noise on the bike. I think they, they put a little speaker and maybe get a little bit of room, you know? <laughs> because I think it's too quiet to the point where I think, you know, like animals and pedestrians will not notice it coming. And you don't want to haunt people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Unless your horn is like, and then it's okay, you know? Dukes of Hazard style. Yes. Brilliant. Yeah. An equivalent mm. bike from one of the major manufacturers would be about 2,000 ringgit. 
cheaper. The question now is, will you save that 2,000 over a period of time in terms of, uh, you know, uh, on fuel? Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. Because mm. our fuel is still so cheap and these, these bikes don't use a lot of fuel. But your carbon footprint has improved. It's so much easier to, you know, move around. You're, you're, you're just not thinking about fuel all the time, you know? Mm, yeah, yeah. I think if you're one of those people who, who wants to get into electric mobility and can't afford an electric car, try this. Why don't you try this first? Because it's a cheap way to get into this game, you know? Yeah, not a bad idea at all. All right, uh, let's wrap up this segment then. And when we come back, we've got more stuff, of course. Uh, we've got a used car guide, a Honda Jazz. 1.5 from 2004. Don't go anywhere. This is Cruise Control here on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, the business station. My name is Rich Bradbury. This is Cruise Control. If you're only just joining the show, we've had a little bit of a chat about some Honda recalls, the new Land Rover Defender 90, a Proton's foray into the international market, and hover bikes that are for sale in Japan that look like a big drone. Also, we've just been talking about tree electrics, electric scooter. Finally, onto some car stuff again. It's a Honda Jazz 1.5 2004. Daniel, take it away. Okay, so, you know, my used car reviews always come from um, requests from people. You know, they come and ask me for ideas. They ask me for advice. So this time around, someone saw me with my oldest son in his uh, new car. When I say new car, it's a, it's a, it's a very used Perdua Kalisa, okay? And uh, when they saw me in the car, coming out of the car to buy some food, and he was driving this, he said, hey, you bought a Kalisa? I said, yeah, I bought a Kalisa for my son. Come on, man, buy a, buy a better car, buy a safer car. I said, what's wrong with the Kalisa? It's safe, it's small, it's compact, it's easy, it's cheap and cheerful. You know, that's the way you want to go when you get your first car. And, you know, I don't have your income to, <laughs> to spend on him getting a nicer car. So anyway, this person was talking to me and he said, hey, you know, my daughter is going to be driving soon. I want to get her a car, but I'm not going to get her a Kalisa. I want to get her a Myvi. I said, well, a Myvi is a nice car. Everybody looks at the Myvi. It's, it's a standard procedure for anybody getting their license, right? Mm. And second-hand Myvis, there's so many in the market. So I told this guy, I said, hey, Myvi, good choice, you know, reliable and everything else. But would you consider something else? He said, no, I don't want to spend more than 30,000 ringgit. I want second-hand. I can understand where you're coming from. You know, let them start with a second-hand car. They might have a small dent here, small nick here, small scratcher, and you won't feel it if you get them a new car. I said, okay. I said, let me go home and think about it. I will contact you in a few days' time. So I came back home. I thought about it. Within a few hours, I decided on the best advice for this guy. And this was the 2004 Honda Jazz 1.5 IDSI. Now, the IDSI is a different kind of engine from the VTEC engine. It's a, it's, a, it's a low consumption engine. It's not as fast as a VTEC. So the IDSI was launched in 2004. It ran for a few years. And Honda brought this car in from Thailand. It was made in Thailand for the ASEAN market. Meanwhile, the, the VTEC was fully imported. Mm-hmm. So when I told him the Honda Jazz, he said, oh, that one I cannot afford. I said, you said below 30,000. He said, can buy it below 30,000. You see, everyone looks at Hondas as, you know, very good resale value, you know. They're all expensive to buy, use and all that. And no one really does any research to think about it. So when I did my research, I realized that the prices were going from 23, 24,000 up to 35,000 ringgit. Hmm. And the reason for this is because it is depreciated because there's so many in the market. If you go 
on our local classifieds, online classifieds, and see. They're just pages and pages and pages and pages of used Honda Jazz for sale. You know, because there's so many in the market, the price has dropped, and the price has dropped also because at this age you can't get a loan; you have to buy cash. So when I was looking at this car, okay, so brand new, it was ninety three thousand eight hundred and eighty eight dollars. Okay, now the VTEC version was a hundred and one thousand, so that was about an eight thousand nine thousand ringgit difference. But mm-hmm. the IDSI is good enough because first of all, he's giving it to his daughter. Secondly, it's a it's a low consumption engine. It uses a a CVT gearbox. Now, there are a lot of people who said, oh, the CVT is unreliable. The CVT gives problem after many years. Yes, CVT gearboxes must be looked after. So if you have a competent mechanic that knows about CVT gearboxes, you can go in to have it checked. Now, if you don't have and the gearbox gives you problem, there are plenty of reconditioned gearboxes out there for sale. Not cheap, a thousand euro ringgit with fitting, but they are available. So anyway, let's put all that aside. I recommended him to go and look at a Honda Jazz. So we started, uh, you know, looking through the car and 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 seeing what it's got. Number one, it's tall and roomy. When I say it's tall and roomy, it's perfect for you, Richard. Okay. Even with your height, you can get in and have someone the same height sitting at the back. That's how roomy it is. Oh wow! Now the Jazz is actually quite short, but it's tall, and you don't realize how tall it is until you get in. You you get what I mean? Mm hmm. So even for someone wide like me, you're tall, I'm wide, it is still good enough for three of me at the back seat. And the, the beauty about the Honda Jazz, which from the day it was launched until today it's got, is the magic seat. Now, I showed a picture of the magic seat in my article. The rear seat can be folded up completely. Not folded down. Folded down is one way, but it can also be folded up. So you can actually put a you know a foldable bicycle inside sideways. You can actually put a tall plant. You can put luggage, you know. And this mm. also means that it's got a lot of leg room at the back for tall people. So putting all these considerations, I said, you know, you're you're, you're going to be giving your daughter a car that's spacious. You can carry your friends around. You might end up also using it, you know, if you want to go for for a beach holiday or you know a weekend away with your wife because you can you can carry some stuff. On top of that, you've got a 1.5 engine that's got decent power, 88 mm. brake horsepower with 131 newton meters of torque. It's enough to go long distance. It's enough to go up any uh, hill resort. And the best part is, it still looks very modern. Don't you think so? Yeah, it does. It doesn't look all that dated. It doesn't look, mm-hmm. you know, like it's. If you think about it, this car is almost 18 years old, but it doesn't look 18 years old. Maybe the inside could do with a bit of a, you know, a spruce up, but outside, yeah. Yeah, and you know, you've got nice comfortable seats, you've got a simple, legible, uh, you know, a cockpit to get all your information, good aircon system. So, go on the classifieds, look for the Honda Jazz. Remember, there are so many for sale, so try and find a single owner car, which you can find, which I found and put on this on, on my website. And then you can also find one with original paint. You can find one with original wheels. This means that this car wasn't abused. And generally, the people who buy these cars are family, old age people, single women. You know, it's, it's, it's not a car that gets tuned and, and pulled left, right and center. You do have a few units with Mugen body kit, this body kit, that body kit, load, big wheels. Try to avoid them. Go mm. for the all original showroom-like car. Take it home. Learn to, to, you know, find a good mechanic that can run it. You'll have years of 
negligible problems i can tell you this mm. because from what i know from people who own these cars apart from the cvt gearbox which can give problem they don't have any complaints well there you go hmm. how much was it again well prices start from 23000 i mean people advertise 24 25 but you know bargaining power is is always big in malaysia so 23000 plus you can get yourself a honda jazz there you go well thank you very much for that daniel you're most welcome what a show we've had today eh we've had flying things we've had electric things It's a car show, right? <laughs> But we also have motorcycles. <laughs> we've had motorbikes. Ladies and gents, believe it or not, you've been tuned into Cruise Control this week uh, with me Rich Brebry and of course Ali Johan and Daniel Fernandez from dsf.my. If you missed any part of this show, you can download it where you normally uh, would listen to it from. We recommend the BFM app. It's available in the App Store or Google Play. We will be back same time, same place next week here on BFM 89.9, the business station. been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.